Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse um, 17 again and go through the end. And if you would, would you stand as we give reverence to the living and powerful Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about Him and assuming that you were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And here's the truth. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self that is created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give an opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You can be seated. I'd like to pray one more time. And uh, Vance Chapman, would you pray for us, please? Amen. 
So we have been talking over the um, last few weeks, and I apologize that I'm not as prepared as I normally would be. We've been in Disney all week, and um, I, had, um, I had planned on trying to be better prepared. Most of the time I spend the entire week just preparing along the way. This time I just spent yesterday basically trying to get prepared, and so I, I am prepared. I don't want you to think that, but normally I'd have it all laid out in notes and outlined and everything else, and this morning I'm not texting, I'm not calling anybody, I've got it on my phone and I've recorded my notes there, so um, if you see me doing that, that's the reason that why I'm looking at my phone. But we have been talking over the last few weeks about um, being born again. The doctrine of regeneration is basically what we would call it as far as the doctrine goes. And it basically means this in layman's terms, that through the Holy Spirit of God, through believing in the gospel and receiving the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Christ, through those things, God gives us a new heart, He gives us a new mind, and He gives us a new nature. A nature that desires to follow God. A nature that hates our sin. A nature that now can go to battle and can go to war with our sin and not just surrender to it anymore. Now there are a lot of people that get saved, if you will, and that's where they stop. I have prayed my prayer. I have asked the Lord to forgive me. I believe in Jesus. I'm good. That is not what he's trying to get across to us here in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul wants us to understand that if indeed you have learned from Christ, if indeed you truly heard the true gospel, then you understand that the truth of Jesus that you learned from Him is that now we move from regeneration or new life and now we move into living that new life. So we go from the doctrine of what we call regeneration to the doctrine of sanctification. Basically sanctification just simply means to be in the process of being made holy. And we're going to see here in a minute that positionally, because of what Christ has done, you are already holy. Even in your still fleshly body that still lives in sin. Positionally, you have been made holy. Presently, you are still being made holy. And in the future, you will be holy. And so all of those things are true, but the doctrine of sanctification describes that whole process of putting off the old man that is corrupt because of the old nature and putting on the new man, and this is the process that you are going through now as a Christian. And what Paul is trying to get across to people like you and I today is that if we say, we have been born again through the truth of Jesus Christ. And yet there is no process of putting off the old and putting on the new. There's a problem. And that's the reason why Paul puts it so bluntly here. And he says, you must no longer walk like the world if indeed you have heard the truth of Jesus. 
and you have learned from Him. So Paul says, assuming. In other words, I don't know if you have truly been born again or not. But one thing is for certain. If you do not see the process of sanctification taking place in your life and there is no desire to put off sin and put on righteousness and there is no desire to follow Christ, I can tell you today, you fail the test and you have not been born again and you ought to cry out to God today to save you from your sin, believing in the gospel. So what I want to try to get across, my goal today, I'm hoping to motivate you toward your responsibility in the process of sanctification. I want you to actually get into a mindset of, I don't just come to church just to hear a good song and to sing along and to feel better about myself that I went to church. I don't just come to church just to sit here and listen to some um, ugly fellow up here just jabbering off about something I really don't want to hear anyway. I don't just come to church just so that my mama won't call me and ask me, did you go to church today? And I have to tell her, "Uh, no, you come to church because you understand this is the school of Jesus. And this is where I study together with other believers so that I can be in the process of putting off the things that are sinful and putting on the new man that is created in Christ Jesus. And I want to motivate you toward that. I want to make sure that you are active in the Spirit-sanctifying work in your life. That's the reason why when you get down to verse 30 in Ephesians chapter 4, what does he say right there in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul wants these believers to understand... If you have been born again, God has placed His Spirit in your hearts, in your bodies. And now you have a responsibility to follow this. See, there's a lot of people that don't understand. They they think that this is just all something that God just does. He's done it all. And yes, Jesus paid it all. And yes, this is a work of God. Yes, sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit. But don't get it twisted You have a part. You have been set free from your slavery of sin. That's the reason why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul told them, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. You know what it means to be dead? You know what you can do to a dead person? You go up there and you can kick a dead person. Now, I wouldn't suggest doing that, okay? But you can. You can go up and you can kick a dead person. If they're dead, what are they going to do? They have no ability in and of themselves to be stimulated by anything physical whatsoever. Why? Exactly. And what Paul wants you to know is that because of your sin and your trespasses, you were spiritually dead. Now take what I just said and use that example in your spiritual life set. In other words, no matter what spiritual things come your way and kick you and prod you and no matter how much I preach to you and no matter what I say to you, there is nothing inside of you that spiritually motivates you to say, God, I am so sorry that I am a sinner. There is nothing in you that says, I want to put off this because it displeases God and I want to put on this because it is pleasing to God. That's not in you. 
No, you are a slave to your sin. However, He has set you free from your slavery of sin by giving you a new nature, a spirit nature. And now you have a responsibility to be a slave to righteousness. You have a responsibility now that you have been set free from that. Now you can choose to not sin and you can choose to walk in righteousness. And I want to motivate you to be actively involved in, your, in the Holy Spirit's work in your life that you actually see this process taking place. And so, there are four things I want to teach you very quickly this morning in the hopes that this is going to motivate you to, to put on the new man. The title of the message, Sanctification. Putting on the new man. This is something that you have to do. Here's the first thing that I want to teach you from this this morning. The first thing is God's will for your life is your sanctification. How many times have you ever thought to yourself, God, what's your will for my life? How many, how many people have ever asked you, Nick, how do I know what God's will for my life is? You ever thought that? And they're usually thinking, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to be in this ministry or is God calling me to this? Let me tell you something. God's will for your life is the same as it is for mine. Whether you're a pastor or not, God's will for each and every one of our lives is your sanctification. Now, look with me at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 again. And notice what he says all the way through 24 so that you see this. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And here is what the truth is. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Do you see that? So in other words, the will for your life as a sinner was to just live in sin that belong to your former manner of life. But now, through the truth of Jesus Christ, verse 23, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self. And notice this new self is created. It's created because God convicts you of your sin in the Holy Spirit. He leads you in this and as long as you don't grieve Him but you listen to Him, you listen to the truth and you follow Him, He creates a new man inside of you. And it is after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Now, to see this a little bit more clearly, I want you to go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hold your place because our base is right there in Ephesians chapter chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to show you in layman's terms where Paul just puts it very plainly what the will of God for your life is. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to what? To walk. So this is about how you should walk as a Christian, right? And the first thing you see is that we received it from the teachings of the apostles. Guess what you have right here? You have what you receive from the apostles, which they receive from the Holy Spirit, of how you ought to walk. And, notice it says, and how you ought to please God. 
just as you are doing, but that you do so, what? And more and more. We're going to look at that in a minute. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice in verse 3. For this is the will of God. What? Your sanctification. Your holiness. You want to know what the will of God for your life is? That you not walk like the rest of the world walks. That you learn from Jesus. That you put on the new man. That you put off the old man. That you allow the Holy Spirit to point out the sin in your life. And let me tell you something. We don't like it, do we? I don't like it when the Holy Spirit points out sin in my life. But I am warned here to not grieve Him. Don't grieve Him. Don't quench Him. He is there for your holiness. And you have a responsibility to put off the old and put on the new. And then notice what he says next. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, each, each individual letter that he writes, whether it's Ephesians, whether it's Colossians, whether it's Thessalonians, whether it's Corinthians, he addresses the things that are particular to them and their particular sin. Now, in this instance, sexual immorality, this comes from a word that we, we understand it today as porn. So if you were reading this in actual uh, English language today, we, would, we could translate it like this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from porn. And porn covers all areas of sexual immorality. That's why it's called porn. In other words, there, whether you're talking about homosexuality, whether you're talking about, no matter what you're talking about in sexual immorality, this is covered under this word. Sexual immorality was a huge issue in this day and time. Matter of fact, many of them, it was part of their religion. It was part of their worship. And so here he steps up and he says, one of the ways that you work on your sanctification is you abstain from sexual immorality. For us today, we would say the same thing and add, abstain from things like pornography. Verse 4, that each one of you know how to control his own body. So we see there that this is about self-control, right? Your responsibility to control your own body and to control it in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you And then look at verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, verse 8, listen to this very closely. Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. If you do not allow this sanctifying work to take place in your life, It's not me that you're disregarding. It's not your Sunday school teachers that you're disregarding. It's not even your own conscience that you're disregarding. It is God that you are disregarding. Because He is the one that called you. And He didn't call you for impurity. He didn't save you so that you could continue in your sin. He saved you for holiness. And now He calls you and gives you His Holy Spirit 
so that you will now be purified from your sin. That's the reason why we live a life of confessing sin daily. And we live a life of repenting from our sin daily. And we live a life of turning back and trusting God's forgiveness by faith daily because the sanctifying work is taking place in our lives. Let me show you another scripture to prove this to you. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 and 30. For those whom God foreknew, He also what? He predestined. What, what is your destiny? What is the will of God for your life? Here's your destiny, guys. Your destiny is not to be a rock star. Those of you that are still in your garage with your band, still, we're going to make it one day. I don't know if that's some of y'all or not. That's not your destiny. And even if you do make it to be a rock star one day, that's not your destiny. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's your destiny. Your destiny is to be sanctified. Alright? In order that He might be, talking about Jesus, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's your destiny, is to follow Him, to live like Him. And those whom He predestined, and what was your destiny? To be conformed to the image of His Son, right? And those whom He predestined, He also what? He called you. You want to know why He saved you? He saved you because He was going to make you holy. He saved you because He was going to deliver you out of the slavery of sin. And that He was going to conform you to the image of Christ so that you will be a brother of the firstborn Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. So those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. In other words, He declared you not guilty from any sin, whether it be past sin, whether it be present sin, or whether it be future sin you haven't even committed yet. Not guilty. Those whom He called, He justified. And those whom He justified, He also what? He glorified. There you see the sanctification process. So there again, the point is the will of God for your life is not that you keep living in your sin. The will of God for your life is that you put off what belonged to the former manner of life and you put on what belongs to the new life that God has given you in Jesus Christ. Alright, next. I've kind of answered this, but the next thing that I want to talk to you about and teach you is what sanctification really is. And there's two good answers, and they come from a catechism that, that um, we have studied on Wednesday nights here. But this catechism says that sanctification is the work of God's Spirit in us. That's the first thing. We've already recognized that, right? God gives us His Spirit. He gives us new minds. He gives us new hearts. He gives us new nature. So it's the work of God's Spirit in our lives whereby we are renewed in our whole man after the image of God. So there again, we're conformed to the image of Christ. That's sanctification. And we are enabled more and more to die to our sin and live unto righteousness. So here's what I want you to understand. When I talk about sanctification, I'm talking about Trusting the Spirit of God in your life. Trusting the Word of God that He teaches you from. 
to put off the old sin and conform to the image of Christ and this should be why you come to church. Too many of us came to church this morning not understanding I'm here really for one thing. I'm here to learn about the life of Jesus, to gaze at the image of Jesus so that I can model my life through the power of the Holy Spirit after Him. How many of you, when you hear a, when you hear a verse that, uh, that says, turn the other cheek, and you hear that verse and you go, yeah, yeah that's what Jesus did, but um, I'm more about turning the other cheek all the way around as I hit it. That's, that's more what I'm about. And you're right. That belonged to the former manner of life. It did. But today, the new man that is created after the likeness of God looks at the life of Jesus and says, He turns the other cheek and like a lamb led to slaughter, He opened not His mouth. And you put off your anger, your temper, everything that you are, and you put on His gentleness, His kindness. His forgiveness. It's not okay for us to live a life to where we say, well, listen, that's just, that's just who I am. I've heard too many Christians in the past that say to me, the reason I do what I do is because that's just, that's just who I am. Okay. I hope it's not. I hope it's who you were. And I hope that it's who you're putting to death who's being crucified with Christ. And I hope that the life you now live is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. I hope that's who you are. Because if that's not who you are, I won't see you again one day. I'm going where you cannot come. And so sanctification is God's will for your life. And it is the process in which God makes you holy and purifies you from sin. Now listen, I'm not saying we ought to live like people that are holier than thou. But I am saying that we should live by like people that, that, that hate sin. We hate sin. We don't want anything to do with it. The works of darkness need to be exposed. I have a young man that um, he, um, he works for a business. He makes, he makes a lot of money. And the truth of the matter is, if he leaves this, he's already left it. But I was kind of torn counseling him because I didn't know how to, how to counsel him. Because if he leaves this business, I don't know where he's going to go to make the kind of money that he was making. I mean, that's just how serious a situation he was in. Um, he had done, been living at this level... And now if he quits this job, he can't just go anywhere else and make the kind of money that he's making. But in this job, there was a lot of lying that was going on. A lot of things that just troubled him because he was having to be involved in a lot of lies. And he was having to be the face of these lies. And he struggled with it. And he came to me for counsel. And on the one hand, I'm thinking, man, you got a family. If you quit this job, where are you going to go? And I mean, I understand that this is going on. I understand this darkness. But listen, man, it's just some lies. That's what's going on in my head. That's what I'm thinking. But in his heart, he really is under the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, I can't, I, I, this is not who I am. I can't do this. And he walked away from that job. 
And there was a part of me that my old man said, Man, I want to smack you. How are you going to take care of your family? And how are you going to? But then God has to remind me, He ain't never been the one that's ever took care of His family in the first place. But what I saw in that is the active work of the Holy Spirit in this young man's life that understood it's more important for me to follow the Spirit of God and to expose the works of darkness and not be involved in them. That's more important to me. And that's more important for my family to see me do that than it is for us to have the house that we live in, to have the cars that we drive, to have the, the toys that my kids play with. I learned a lesson from that young guy that came to me from counseling, for counseling. And so I want you to understand this morning that the work of God's Holy Spirit is in us if you are a Christian. And it ought to be picking out the works of darkness no matter how simple they are. And it ought to be teaching you little by little that this doesn't belong in my life and I may have to put this off. I may have to put this off. I may have to put this off. I may have to walk away from something I genuinely love. I may have to walk away from it if it means being true to the sanctifying work of God's Holy Spirit in my life. And that's a tough thing to learn. But that is why we're here in this church this morning is so that God can teach us the little things from His Word so that we can be faithful in those little things because if you can't be faithful in the little things are you ever going to be faithful in the big things? No. Alright. Third thing I want to teach you this morning. Sanctification doesn't just happen without your effort. Remember I said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 through 24 He said, you have to put off the old and you have to put on the new. It is something that you have to do. You can't just sit back and think that this is something that's just going to naturally take place. When Paul died, he didn't die going, man, I didn't have to do nothing. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was just sit back and relax and bask in the glow of the the glory of Jesus. No, instead, when he died, you know what he said? I fought the what? The good fight. I finished the what? The race. I kept the... I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And notice he compared this Christian life to strenuous activities. I fought. How many of you then here this morning say, I'm a Christian, but... I ain't fighting. You say, I'm a Christian, but I ain't running no race. I'm a Christian, but it ain't really difficult to keep the faith. Let me tell you something. It's a fight. It's a hard race. And it don't matter if you run the first nine laps with everything you got and then quit on the tenth. You got to keep the faith. And you've got to finish what God has started in you. The sanctification process doesn't just happen without effort. Let me show you a a scripture that might prove this to you. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 13. This is where John is, uh, or Jesus is describing the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, 
It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper... Who's the Helper? The Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send Him to you. Keep going. And when He comes, what's He going to do? He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit has a job in the life of both unbelievers and believers. For unbelievers, He convicts them of their sin and their need for Jesus. For believers, He convicts you of their sin and your need to walk in righteousness. And it is very important that you understand that He's not just there for you to have a friend. (laughs) He's there to lead you. He's there to guide you. He's there to teach you everything you need to go. No, let me show you another scripture. John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. Because this is how He does it. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will what? He will teach you all things. And here's how He's going to teach you. He's going to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit takes the words of Jesus that we come in here and we learn week after week, day after day. And as we study and we gaze at Jesus, the Holy Spirit teaches you and guides you and shows you this is how to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is how to be sanctified in holiness. Lastly, the application. Ephesians chapter 4. We won't, we won't even get started good on this, but I, here's what I want to show you this morning and we'll, we'll pick up on it next week. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 25. Because here's where Paul moves from the sanctification process explained to how it's actually applied. Because here's the first thing that he does. Paul wants this church to understand, here are some particular things that you need to be watching out for because as far as the Ephesian church and the Christians in Ephesians are concerned, as far as that goes, these are things that you need to be looking for and working on. And notice his process here. He shows them, here's what you put off, And then he don't just leave them there. He says, here's what you put on. He begins in verse 25 and he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood or having put away lying, that's what you put off. Instead, here's what you put on. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now next week I'll explain what that means and why he, uh, he, he said that. But let's just go through a few more so you see the, 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 the routine that he goes through. Verse 26, Be angry, but don't sin. In other words, there are times for you to be angry. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. God is angry. Is God a sinner? No. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. But... Anger handled the wrong way will lead you into sin. 
And so he says here, be angry but don't sin. And here is what you do. You put off your anger and the sinfulness that usually is associated with it and you put on this. You do not let the sun go down on your anger. So in other words, instead of allowing sin to lead you into unforgiveness, bitterness, um, unkindness, hard-heartedness, instead of it letting you go into that, you put that off and it's something you have to do. And how many of you know that's not something that comes natural to you? Let me tell you something. I'm one of the worst. Now, I'm much better. I'm telling you, you should have met me many years ago. My wife is one of those people that I can make her mad. I can. I can make her so mad at me that she could stab me right then. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of y'all women know what I'm talking about. But here's the way my wife is. Five minutes later, she'll go in there and cook me supper. Bring it to me on the recliner. She can, she, can, she can get over her anger like that. Me, on the other hand. You make me mad? I may hold on to that for 20 years and be... It ain't time for confession yet. Y'all wait. Slow down. Slow down. The point being, it's something that I have had to learn that I have to choose to do. And it still takes me some time. <laughs> I'm still not as quick as she is. But I have to make the choice to say, I'm not going to let this anger lead me into hard-heartedness, lead me into the former manner of life. I am going to choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to put this away because it don't belong to the new man. And I'm going to choose to put on not letting the sun go down on my wrath. I'm going to choose to actually figure out how we're going to work this out. How we're going to discuss this and talk about this. Now listen, this is one that... Uh, there, there, uh, who in here has got that down pat? Y'all got that figured out yet? I didn't figure there'd be very many hands. But it is something that Paul wants this church to understand that it is something you need to be actively working on and you have to choose to do it. You have to choose to put this off. You have to choose to put that on. More of that next week. All right. Verse 27. And if you don't do this, you give opportunity to who? The devil. 28. Let the thief no longer steal. So here's what we put off. You remember in 1 Thessalonians, he said, listen, if a man don't work, he don't what? Now one of the things that they were dealing with in this time was they had people that just didn't work. And instead of working when they needed something, what do you think they did? They just took it. And so he has to address this. Don't let the man steal no longer. Put that off. That belongs to the former man. But instead, rather, let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We'll put all that together next week so that you actually can see the application. And I'm going to add some to this next week that pertains to our church. I'm going to add some to this. I'm not adding to the Word of God. I'm just adding some application so that it more specifically applies to 
you and to me, to our culture, to our world that we live in, but based on the same context. So here's my goal this morning, and I hope I've accomplished it. Do not say that you have been born again, that you have learned from Jesus, that you're walking in the truth of Jesus, if sanctification is not taking place in your life. You fail the test. But if you recognize the need and the desire to put off the things that don't belong, that are sinful, and put on the things that do belong, you have every reason to have confidence this morning. And I'm praying that when you come back in here, whether it's Wednesday night, small group, whether it is next Sunday morning, whether it's Sunday school, I'm praying that you'll come to church every opportunity you get for one purpose. Lord, teach me more about Jesus. Bring to my remembrance the things that He said. Bring to my remembrance the ways that He lived. And don't let me grieve you. Don't let me quench you. Let me listen to what you have to say. And Lord, every time I leave from this gathering or every time I fold your word up and put it away, I want to walk away figuring out how I can put off something that belongs to the former manner of life. And I want to figure out how I put on what belongs to the new life that you're creating inside of me after your likeness, after your righteousness, conforming to the image of your glorious Son. And that's what I want for my life. So if y'all would stand this morning, um, whatever the Lord has, um, has spoke to you, maybe this is a morning that you, that you want to confess. I heard some confessing going on earlier. Maybe this is a morning that you want to just confess your sin to Him and you want to ask Him for forgiveness and you want to, uh, you want to learn from that and you want to figure out how to choose um, to put on righteousness and holiness and you need strength from God to put off things that are sinful and belong to the former manner of life, whatever it is that you need this morning, now is the opportunity for you to respond to that. If we can pray with you this morning, we're up here to pray with you and to help you with that. But whatever it is, we just invite you to come and uh, let the Lord have His way and have His work in your life this morning.